If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is Ordeshi, the bulletproof entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneurs across Africa. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. We can all do with a little extra cash. Why not just pick up your trash? Recyclers recycles your trash and gives you amazing prizes or cash for every kilogram of recycled material you deliver. So pick up those cans, plastic bottles, and bags. Call Recyclers today. Go to Recyclers.com. That's W-E-C-Y-C-L-E-R-S.com for more details. All right. Good morning, guys. Welcome to the show. Today's guest is Emeka Azinge. Emeka is founder of Emedit Consulting and Emedit Solicitors. His consulting firm, Emedit Consulting, is a peak performance consultancy that helps youth and adolescents become better individuals. He teaches them personal development and life skills that they can apply to become better people and become more successful. So he's here to tell us about himself, his um, entrepreneurial journey, his businesses, and his um, goals for the future. So, Emeka, welcome to the show. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself Good morning. and your, and your background? The pleasure to be on the show. Yeah, so could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Okay. Um, so as you've well said, my name is Emeka, Emeka Zinge. Um, first and foremost, a lawyer. I have a Bachelor's of Law degree from Cardiff University. And then uh, I have a Master's of Law degree from King's College London, and that's... Uh, in commercial and financial law. And I'm equally currently doing a doctorate degree in business administration, and that's with the University of Liverpool. I may just say that I'm halfway done. So, well, you could call me a bit of a bookworm, so <laughs> a scholar, intellectual, whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, that's me. That's me on the academic side. Okay, what of you on the, the personal side? side? <laughs> on the personal side, I don't take myself too seriously. I hope to conquer the world. I believe human beings are put here to make a difference and not to just exist. And I do not just want to exist. So I'm driven, I'm resilient, and I'm also fun. You know, I think uh, I like to have one or two now and again, if you get what I mean. But yeah, that's not yeah. the focus. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I do actually have to say that I've known Emeka for many, many years. We actually went to secondary school together, and our classes were right next door. So I've seen Emeka yep, go yep, from... Yep. A very young guy to the guy he is today. And when I came across his profile a few years ago while I was still in the States, I saw that he had gone into consulting and, you know, performance coaches. And I was like, how in the heck did this guy get into this field? So even I would be, I'm curious to know, how exactly did you get into peak performance consulting? Well, I mean, that's a very, very very, I don't know what to say, when I say weird story. <laughs> I mean, I'm first and foremost a lawyer, so I was in Cardiff. And whilst I was in Cardiff, I was always the, uh, the guy who used to spearhead the group sessions and the group readings and all that thing. And if it, if it be law, if it be in any subject, you know, I would be the one telling them what they should read, more or less coordinating and uh, orchestrating the team. You know, the team of people who form study groups, so to speak. Okay. So um, that happened in Cardiff. That happened in King's College London. That happened in law school. And then funny enough, law school, that was, very, that was a very poignant moment because 
I was with a group of friends, a group of lawyers, and I was just again teaching and tutoring and taking them through these things. And one of them said, stop, can we pause here? That he just wants to tell me that I'm truly gifted at this. And that if I ever thought that I wanted to be any kind of teacher, any kind of coach, I would be utterly successful. I mean, I didn't take that too seriously, laughed, ha, 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 about it, and all that. I finished with that, and I got into um, law practice during National Youth Service Corps. I was posted to Judge Tommy and Partners, you know, and I did the law there. I loved it. I think I was very proficient in what I did and all that. But then there were fundamental things that, you know, basically offended my sensibility as a person, kind of made me know that maybe I'm not cut out for the whole, uh, you know, the whole employee sort of thing. You know, in as much as I'm proficient as an employee, maybe it's not the path to go. And at a point whilst I was at Georgia Tommy, there was a time when I were all told to deliver presentations. And I delivered this presentation and it was good. I would say it was fantastic. Now, the reason why I would say that is this. The managing partner of the law practice said to me after the presentation, that was really good. I'm sure you really practiced and practiced and practiced. Now, the reality is I didn't practice at all. And between God and I, I know that I did not, after preparing the presentation, practice at all. So, in other words, it was so overwhelming to him that I could only have given such a good presentation by practicing at least three times because he said practice, practice, and practice. Mm. So these things, you know, give you the foundation that, okay, I can do this, I can do this. So when those things that really offended me continue to occur, Okay, One so um, before we continue, so what were those things that were offending you? Let's, let's well, get let's, to the nitty-gritty. Well, do we, well, I wouldn't get to the nitty-gritty. Okay, Probably okay. Right. Just give us a broad stroke. And strategic speaking, okay. what I do would not allow me to get into the nitty But just All let right. me just say, you know, a, bureaucrat- a bureaucratic structure that was untenable in my opinion. Okay. So I just did not see how I could thrive in that environment. And since I knew that that was... The predominant, because even that practice to me was one of the very best. Mm-hmm. So since I knew that was the predominant and there were so much more places that were worse, I just knew that, you know, this I'm just not cut out for this. I'd rather start to create a structure that fits the profession, professionalism, ethical structure that I feel like businesses should strive to attain. Mm-hmm. So basically, in a nutshell, I wasn't happy with the structure that existed. I thought I could do better in building a structure and doing better with my structure over time. Okay. You know, which is what I see. I didn't try to be retained. I just started this company. I didn't, you know, really have any idea what would happen. It's not like I knew where we would be, but I just started. I just believed. Let me just say, I just believed in providence. Okay. And here we are today. You know, we've had challenges, no doubt. We've had struggles, hurdles, but we've surmounted them all, which is what matters. So what were some of the challenges you initially faced? And um... Now, the challenge of every young entrepreneur, as I state at this point that I'm also an entrepreneurship facilitator, so I talk to you know, a lot of young people about how to start and sustain businesses, mm-hmm. particularly within the peculiar climate of Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So I would say that the major challenge I face, faced and will continue to face, and other young people will face, is what I have termed converse ageism, Okay. Now, in explaining that, I'll start with explaining ageism. Ageism means a discrimination against a person on the basis of the fact that they are too old 
okay? Mm -hmm. Now, when you add the word converse to that, what does it mean? It just means reverse. Yeah. So it means the discrimination against the person on the basis that they are too young. And that's what we face. So you get people looking at you with that suspicion of who are you, what can you do, what do you know? So there's a heightened need for you to prove the proficiency that you preach in that particular area which you state that you have such proficiency. Okay. Because people are not going to take you at your word. Mm -hmm. People will always look at you with that disdain that you do not know what you're saying. But when they see that you can deliver, that's one thing I must stress, and that's the kind of people we are, especially in the Nigerian climate. When they see that you can deliver, they will give you their your due. No, they will. Okay. If they see that you have acted, in other words, in a short word, if you're tested and trusted, you become respected. Okay. But the question is, you getting and having that resilience to actually be tested and trusted, keep your head up regardless of whatever snipes might be thrown at you, and believe in that in to actually perform. Mm. So now, I would say the challenge I face now is no longer necessarily conversation, but visibility. Because the challenge is more. But every business will face challenge visibility. And when I say visibility is you have a product. You're proficient in delivery of your service. Now you want all the people out there to know about how great you are. So you're taking all the possible steps to get them to know about you. Now that's also a challenge. Mm -hmm. Okay? So that's the challenge we currently face. We're putting, we put things in place and strategies in place to surmount that challenge. Our major theme for 2016 is visibility. In other words, we're doing everything we can to be visible and to get our product and our service out there so that clients know this is what we can offer and this is the proficiency we have. Okay. And so you, let's just um, put this in perspective. So you started both the consulting firm and the law firm simultaneously, right? And you faced the same challenges for both companies. Well, when I talk about this, this interview is really based, based on the law firm. The consulting. The, okay. the law firm is it runs itself. The point is law is law. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. you, will, you will get briefs from people who will believe in you. Okay. You will do work. It's basic. It's nothing, you know, it's nothing, I would say, just to put it blatantly, it's nothing fantastic. It's just routine. Okay. So that's not really my passion. That's just what okay. I do. I, and if you look at the legal structure in Nigeria, sometimes when the judges don't sit and the way cases drag on, it's not enough to make keep any young, you know, exuberant person passionate. So, yeah. so that's what I do by the side because I still hope to go back to it full time, even though I'm still in it. Okay. When I go back to it, it means into litigation, going to Cape court, arguing cases, mm. you know. Because, I mean, it's also my aim to sometimes be a senior advocate in Nigeria, you know, fingers crossed. Okay. Right now, my passion is... The consulting their potential, whether it be their life skills potential, their personal effectiveness potential, their professionalism potential, their leadership potential, or their entrepreneurship potential, just maximize your potential because that is the world we live in. Okay. Okay, so how did you get some of your first clients in this um, consulting field? Now, first clients are always people who initially even push you to start. Okay. You know, people will tell you, you can do this. Mm -hmm. I've heard you talk. I know you can do this. There's this person who came to my organization to deliver this, he wasn't half as good as you. Okay? You can do this. So, based on that sort of uh, encouragement, so to speak, you actually, you know, start off. And then, by starting off, these people start to patronize you. Okay? They may not even pay you. You know, that's the thing. There's a price to be paid. Yeah. You know, and in every industry, and that's another thing I must stress, 
in every industry, there's always a price to be prepaid. People need to get rid of the get-rich-quick syndrome. It doesn't really exist in any viable business structure. Yeah. No? Yeah. So the price has to be paid. You have to do a few, a few free gigs, so to speak, just so people know how good you are. And sometimes when they choose to pay, they pay you next to nothing, but you do it nonetheless. Mm -hmm. you know, so you're trying to just show people that you can do this, yeah. paying your dues. Now, when you feel like, okay, I've done this enough, and people now know that I've done this, you now to start to put a value to your service. You start charging people, okay? And you charge people, obviously, based on their own potential to pay, so to speak. So if I'm charging, for instance, an oil company to do a training for them, it's not the same thing I'll be trying and charging an SME who's just trying to start and train their own staff. Okay. So these are other things. But you have to have something to show them, some sort of portfolio of work you've done. Mm. So even for those gigs that one might envisage to have been free, I always try to get value for them. So get you get pictures. You get people giving testimonials yeah. about session. So you, even though you're not getting monetary value... You're getting all that benefits, social proof and all that. It all adds up to putting you out there and saying, I'm good at what I do, mm -hmm. patronize me, I'm the best at this. Because I really believe I'm the best at what I do. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm unapologetic about it. I listen to art as well. So, all right, so those early ones must have being friends family people that know you all right let's talk about like a big win that you were like man maybe there were some other bigger guys that were trying to gun for a certain particular client and then you landed and i want to know that first major client you got that was like wow i got this well i'm not going to tell you the first major client in specifics but i'll tell you that it was a bank okay okay i'll tell you it was a bank and it was getting on their training program okay of that training that they do for their new recruits, their graduate program, because they you come into the bank and you go to some sort of boot camp where they train you. Mm -hmm. So I was one of the facilitators. Okay, mm -hmm. I am one of the facilitators. You know, for that session. Okay. So session, blah 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 blah. I facilitate session, blah 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 blah. Okay. So I go in there every time because they recruit people literally maybe two three batches a year to facilitate that particular session and, it be, and then. You know, you can actually tell other people when you're giving out your profile, you can put it on your CV that this is another bank. And that was it. So they paid me what I'll call some sort of retainership fee. Okay. Which they paid for, for all the facilitation. And that was that was it. That was the first breakthrough. So where I am now is increasing the number of black banks, clients, and other, you know, companies, government parasitals that are your clients, such that, you know, overall revenue increases, which is just the general aim of any business. Yeah increase clients such that you increase profits yeah and to do that you have to increase visibility mm -hmm. that's right that's just what it is okay so why did you particularly decide to focus on youth especially empowerment entrepreneurship yeah, I mean, development of life skills <laughs> and then i'm passionate i feel like i live in a country where the older guys have left us nothing and mm -hmm. i say it's very passionate i mean i know for instance that uh when my mother graduated from university and went into the civil service then, she was able to get uh, a three-bedroom flat on the island, Victoria Island specifically. And that is where we literally spent our very early years. So in other words, we had a government then with, that still used to cater for its people. I mean, she actually had an official residence as a civil servant. Mm. Now, I ask people and I charge anyone to tell me what even lucrative job comes with an accommodation these days. No. How much civil service. 
So you see, we're at a very disadvantaged position, whereby even when we're putting our best, come out with the first classes, the two ones and all that, you still find that society has not made the right preparation for us. And that is very, very, very sad. So they failed us. The same people we hear about in the government textbooks, as, and then they say the youth shall grow, or the young shall grow, still the same people there. So does that mean the young, they don't grow? Or is it that the old, they don't go? You know, and then this is the problem. And then we also have failing educational systems that are bringing out half-baked graduates, you know, and then are calling them half-baked as if it's the graduate's fault, instead of them actually saying that the institutions are half-baking graduates. Yeah. These are the issues that actually I'm passionate about. So certainly my own way of enabling the youth to thrive in this sort of environment is trying to arm them with the skills to thrive. Trying to arm them with the mental mindset, trying to tell them that it's not about teaching you anything new. Everything I'm going to tell you lies within you, but I'm just trying to let you unearth the best about yourself so that you give your own quota to human development. So let's just say that I'm facilitating that which is good about everyone. Okay. And did you face a lot of criticism when people see that, oh, you're a very highly educated guy, you schooled abroad, you come back and you now want to like, put your best and try and help develop the community you come out from. Were you facing some type of negative feedback or blowback in terms of you trying to... Not in the list. Not in the list. I, okay. First and foremost, I look at myself as very, very balanced. I mean, I spent three years in a Nigerian university before I transferred to the UK. You know, and so I'm very grounded in the structures in Nigeria. I'm very grounded in... Uh, I'm a normal boy, so to speak, contrary to what people might think, because my pidgin English is quite on point. Uh, you know, I make bold to say. So I would say that I relate to all facets of society. It made also interesting to know that I've, de I've delivered a personal development session in Pidgin English before. Oh. And these were to participants in Wari when I was part of a development program for those, you know, who want to reform themselves. So it was a sort of session where one had to come down to their level and not appear, as you say, as a posh boy who schooled in the UK. You want to appear as you understand the predicament. So we're able to do that as well, and that helps. That helps a lot. That balances out, you know, and enable us to reach all, all, all calibers of audience, so to speak. Okay. This have I faced in, it's in not at all. Okay. We've talked about how, you know, the educational system is failing. The old, we still have pretty much recycled leaders, right, from maybe when we were kids up until now. Like uh, somebody was telling me the... Um, was it either the minister or current minister of information was uh, nominated as a minister when the current Senate president's dad was the Senate president, and now he's back again, and he's meeting the son, getting the same treatment. So it's like um, all these challenges are just coming together. So how are you able to take your message to the broader um, Nigerian government in terms of telling them, look, guys, we need to come up with a better solution to solve the current endemic problems in the system. My message to the government is very simple. No modern society thrives without the ingenuity of the youth population. The youth are more exuberant, they're millennials, they're exposed, and they're not as risk-averse as the older generation, such that 
those talents certainly, certainly, certainly need to be tapped into much more. The government needs to harness the talents of youth such that we as a nation can move forward. So what I tell the government is you need to get the youth involved in more things. You need to take away this ideology that because they are young, they can't do much and realize that in every developed country, in every developing nation that is serious about developing, they're engaging the youth. I mean, we don't need to get into the rhetoric of Mark Zuckerberg and mm-hmm. Facebook and all those young people. Who are, I mean, we don't. So we know that youth own the future and even most times now the present. When we continue to recycle leaders, when we continue to, should I say, resist the input of the younger generation, it is a testament to where we are as a nation. It is why, at the end of the day, we are not where we should be as a nation. You know, and so I'm saying to the government, the people on there, that engage us. You know, we have ideas, we have talents, and we want to make a difference. We're as keen to leave a better country for also our children and the generation coming even behind them. So let's you know if we do if we've done things the same way for 50 something odd years and it's not yielded any result why don't we change nigerians best times who admit were when we had young people go on in power and the asiodos the people who were really young those were our best years let us go back to those years and then to the younger generation i tell them i tell them as part of the model that i'm currently working on which is what I call the youth affiliate entrepreneurship model, that we need to create a parallel youth economy in the long term. In other words, we need to patronize each other. We need to form a youth club whereby we're seeking the services of each other and patronizing each other such that the money, the revenue is going within us as youth. And then we can employ other youths to come on board as affiliates. And when they're affiliated and exposed, you know, they can now establish themselves with that exposure they've garnered. And in the long term, if this is done diligently and with focus and with discipline and with some level of dedication, you would find that we would not need the older generation to thrive because we've generated, just like Nollywood, just like the music industry, our own revenue within ourselves. So that's something that I'm beginning to talk a lot about. That's something that I'm beginning to send as part of an ongoing research, send out service questionnaires to sensitize, to create awareness, to gather critical reflections of other people as to how we can create a model that will give us a parallel youth economy in the long term. Okay, so I'll break down this youth affiliate entrepreneurship model you've just talked about a little bit. So um, what are the underlying pinnings of this model? Well, first and foremost, you know, when you talk about a model, it's still in the process of research. So okay. it's of, uh, hypothetical in terms of it's a model we intend to bring out as opposed to that which is already out, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, the idea behind this is aspiring youth entrepreneurs in Nigeria face practical challenges in starting and sustaining business ventures in Nigeria, okay? Are you with me? Yes, I'm with you. And then if you also think about youth entrepreneurship education in its current form, you'll find out that it's not adequately addressing these practical challenges. It's not adequately addressing it. What you have are theoretical aspects of youth entrepreneurship. They give insights to entrepreneurship. They enable objective consideration of the prospects of starting a business. But 
they are not addressing the practical challenges that youth face, such as capital. You know, people may have all the education in the world to start a business. If they don't have the capital, they feel that they are stalled. So my own postulation, my narrative, which I advance, is that they are not doing this. I'm trying to work out a model that does this. So the proposed model, Youth Affiliate Entrepreneurship, YAE model, is supposed to address these practical challenges facing aspiring youth entrepreneurs by providing a practical framework for youth entrepreneurs to overcome these barriers, such as lack of experience, undercapitalization, lack of networks, and then the market barriers. Okay. Now, what is the crux of the model? The model asserts that by affiliating with established youth entrepreneurs over time, and being exposed to their client base and facilities, the affiliate youth entrepreneur gains the exposure, expertise, and income that over time allows him or her establish himself or herself and hopefully then take on aspiring entrepreneurs on the same YAE basis. The advanced model will enable youth entrepreneurs get into the business of entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. thereby reducing youth unemployment, and whilst creating a parallel youth economy in the long term that all Nigerian youths can benefit from. That's what the model says. Okay. So my understanding of this is that it's kind of, um, let's look at it like either mentorship-mentee relationship or a certain type of apprenticeship. Well, you could say, I think it's a mixture of both. Okay. The idea is, for instance, if I am doing business A, okay? Mm -hmm. and no, let, let, let's use a practical business. Let's say you're a mechanic, for example. Okay, well, I mean, mechanic, well, I mean, fixing the whole mechanic thing to social media age might be different. Okay, okay, all right. Use a traditional example. understanding of a mechanic. <laughs> all right, use another say, one. Okay, let me just use myself, for example. Okay. I'm, doing, I'm into the business of life skills, entrepreneurial facilitation, personal development, coaching, and all that stuff. Okay? Yeah. And I see a young person who's a fantastic photographer, for instance. Okay. He shoots some good pictures. I've seen his pictures, but he just doesn't have money to maybe get on the internet, rent a place, and do all those things. You know, he can't even buy probably the internet data, so he's just struggling. Okay. But I already have a platform. I have a website. I have an office address. I have everything. So I take on the person, advertise him on the platforms to my established clients. Okay. Already. So my established clients can now patronize his services. And obviously, there's some benefit for me because I'm exposing him, of, of which will sign a contract as he comes. He's getting his benefits. I'm getting mine mm -hmm. for the fact that I'm exposing him. If clients come through him and his own network, I don't know that. I don't get involved. You know what I mean? Yeah. But for the network I provide... When clients come in, there'd be obviously profit sharing because this is business and that's the way to keep this viable, yeah. okay? So that it doesn't become charity. So that sharing, profit sharing, he's getting revenue, revenue, revenue. And over time, he's exposed to clients. He has enough experience because he's shot a few videos or pictures or whatever from my clients. And he's gained some revenue to possibly then establish himself that okay. is the idea okay. and the point is when he establishes himself we are also hoping and postulating that he now take on other entrepreneurs maybe now not in the area of photography but he'll take like a web developer on or, or maybe somebody yeah. else again yeah 
develop. So by the time every youth affiliate entrepreneur is doing that, it becomes like a web. Okay. And if we now have some unspoken conventional rule that we are patronizing each other's service, tapping into the exposure we all know we have because of the education we've all been able to garner over the years, then over time, 10, 15 years, you know the amount of money spreading in the hands of the youth? We now don't need to go out and be seeking jobs necessarily and making all these older guys who don't maybe necessarily care. We've more or less taken destiny in our hands. And you can come to another young person and say, give me a job. I want. So it's, it's, it, it, it gives us a, an option, so to speak, okay. in the long term. Oh, I, I, but, I get it but, now. But the work has to start now. It yeah. has to be for the club. We need to understand that it's, a, it's for the future. And that's just the way industries like Nollywood started. The music industry it wasn't always as lucrative as it is now. We all know that in the mm. days of Daddy Shoki and all those other guys, I don't know whether it was as you know exciting and whatever as it is now. Yeah. So over time, over time, over time, it became lucrative. The same thing with Nollywood. Now it's the third or fourth largest in the, you know movie industry in the world. So that's just the way it is. If Nigeria youths begin to believe in each other, patronize each other, and then bring up each other and it becomes a conscious effort, there's no doubt that we would become not only more attractive to even the older guys, but more useful to ourselves. So this is the idea of it. So it works in the short term in reducing youth unemployment and getting people who at least don't have capital to be engaged. And in the long term, in providing that parallel youth economy that we can all benefit from. Okay. So now what about the things that might cause like um, a hindrance to that like take for example we have this young photographer but perhaps he wants to go into the business and he doesn't have enough skill he's not been well trained is there like a segment for training of that fellow or we assume that he's already been trained and he comes into the system now might I start saying might, might I you know start on the premise of the fact that training is an ongoing exercise you know, okay. I as a trainer I go for various trainings mm-hmm. trainings to be better at what I do so the bottom line is there's always a basis for taking on a youth affiliate there's okay. always a basis remember I said in my description that I've seen a few pictures he's taken and he's good good yeah the bottom line is that at least we can accept that he has the raw talent okay now whether he's going to now be trained to polish that raw talent I think it goes without you know what I mean? But that it's, it's, it has to be self-funding is what I'm trying to talk about. Okay. So by the time he's gaining this money from clients, he can now decide if he wants to train himself. Remember, it's his life still. Yeah. It's not the, you know, young entrepreneur that is going to now be trying to train, train him. Yeah. That's not, it's the youth affiliate that decides I'm going to invest in myself. myself. Okay. I'm doing a doctorate degree now. That's my own choice to invest in myself. Exactly. So that's the point. So, but the guarantee, because there should be some guarantee for the youth entrepreneur, is you know that there is a level of proficiency that this person has that satisfies you enough to associate your already established brand with that person. And that's why the taking on of a youth affiliate entrepreneur is going to always be at the sole discretion of the person taking him taking him on. Okay. But what about those that might feel left behind? I take, for example, we know a lot of people graduate out of the Nigerian university system. Maybe they studied marine biology or botany or something like that, and they don't have any tangible skills that they can use to earn a living for themselves. And they're like, oh, well, 
Um, I can't do anything with my degree, really. What am I going to do? How do I get the necessary skills to be able to survive in this 21st century economy and thrive? Okay. Now, first things first, I reject the very premise that there's somebody who doesn't have any skill. Now, the person may not have identified their skill, that I can understand. Mm -hmm. But that they don't have it is a separate thing. Now, when I say I'm an entrepreneurship facilitator, what entrepreneurship facilitator suggests is that you bring people into a forum and in that forum you make them think about what they can do what are your skills what are your values what are your goals yeah you may have this you may have studied anything you studied a lot of people are not doing what they studied so that's only one part of the story but the point is we bring you into a forum where you are now thinking separate from whatever it is you studied because that's what we call soft skills separate from this non-educational part what is it that I'm good at? So we make you think about it because by thinking, you unearth, you identify. And then we now decide, now take you through steps that will show you which of those skills listed are most lucrative, which can become businesses, which can become small, medium enterprises, which can become, you know, sole proprietorships and that sort of thing. And then take you to a process of which this YAE model should be part of it, whereby you can now be visible in that area. There is no model that can take care of every single young person out there, mm-hmm. naturally. And I'm not postulating in any way that this does that. But what I am saying is that if more young people key into this model, then over time, there is a heightened possibility that more young people can also be accommodated under the model. Because if there are more people to take on youth affiliate, um, youth affiliate entrepreneurs, it just follows that there'd be more youth affiliate entrepreneurs in the system. So what we're still saying is that in the long term, the issues that are faced by youth will be greatly diminished if we can successfully put this model out there. And that's why I'm working hard on it, researching both home and abroad and trying to see previous research and where we are and try to fit the research within extant literature such that at the end of the day we have a truly actionable model that even other companies, countries, companies, societies can borrow from. Hmm. Hmm. I really like the concept, I really do, because it, it, ma- it makes it seem like, okay, it's not necessarily I'm taking on someone that could eventually be my competitor. It's taking on someone that has complementary skill sets to help me develop my own business but at the same time that person has developed his his business and then he goes off and pays it forward brings in somebody else who brings in someone else and on and on and on it goes okay that's... and um i think i want to believe that you being probably a young entrepreneur as well i'm sure you have received you know you may have received these questions Yes, 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 I did. Yes, I did. But I did not put together the fact that I thought it was going to be someone being trained in the same skill set. Like, take for no, example, no. I was trained That's in finance, so I was going to train somebody else in finance. No, the key thing about the model is it has to be if it's, it's contrasting business endeavors. It yes. Competitive. Yes, exactly. You know? That's the point. These are the things that I've thought about. And that is why you will notice that part of the um, question suggests that if there are additions, for instance, you have to the model, bring it on. Because... Yeah. You know, it's a model that we have. We're trying to get everybody's input such that we get a most robust and holistic model. For instance, some people have suggested that we get a club for young entrepreneurs so that people can just reach out to that club. Youth affiliates can know where to go. That's also a good idea. You know, we can get people to sign up to something. We can start a, 
something we can do something whereby people just get in there and they also stand to benefit because people who are also looking for young entrepreneurs and also just have one database or something too yeah i think there's a club like that i know in the u.s there's one called um eo entrepreneurs organization where basically all the young entrepreneurs that are doing like cool stuff are part of i don't know if it's also in nigeria but i think something like that will work and they also have something called the summit series so basically it's a bunch of guys that got together and said hey let all the hotshot young entrepreneurs come together so don't even need a bunch of guys why don't we do it though? hey i just thrown you something on your show how cool is yeah <laughs> yeah mr emedith always adds value oh yes oh, i'm I actually that i'm actually that's writing that down now that's my pseudonym mr emedith i'm also known as mr <laughs> emedith by the way so yeah. just so i don't lose the viewers yeah yeah uh, yes, all right. I'm I'm writing that down. Actually, that might actually be something good that we could actually yeah, so get off, get off the ground as quickly as possible. Yeah, so we should work on that. We should actually work yeah. on that. Get young entrepreneurs together. Yeah. You know? Cool, cool, cool. I like that. All right. So let's um, start transitioning off this part. So I just want to talk to you about because um, I really like this idea of engaging the youth, but. The teen aspect of your business. Could you yeah. tell me a little bit about that? Like, take for example, um, what is a particularly memorable incident you've experienced when you've actually coached a young person, let's say a teenager or a secondary school student? Okay, well, let, let me start with the fact that yes, I do do teens. I coach teens a lot. You know, I mean, coach teens a lot. That's the first love of Emily's Consulting. I mean, they are the youth as well. So I'm retained with a lot of secondary schools, and I come in once a year, twice, to train a particular class. So everybody gets trained because everybody, for instance, will be in SS1 at a point. So if I come into SS1 every year, you know, I train that class in general success principles and general personal development skills for teenagers, okay? Now, teenagers are amazing people. They're different from young adults, so to speak. They engaging them. I mean, if you come to give a teenager a session, the first step before you even get into the order of the day is to get their attention. Okay? You need to yeah. be able to gauge them. You need to be able to get them to even want to hear what you have to say. So that's empathy. And we that's where professionalism comes in. How do you engage a team? So we have so many ways, which of course I will not share because that's my secret. <laughs> So that's how we engage them. But what you'll find with teens is that they're very childlike. They're very straight. They're very blunt. So what I would be... The most memorable experience for me, if I want to be really truthful, is when a young teenage girl told me about another teenage girl her age who was already smoking and engaging in um, sexual encounters and all those things, and if I could, you know, talk to her. And I think I was astounded at the confidence in which the teenage girl was talking about her friend and was talking about supposedly the things her friends were engaging in. And the very fact that teenagers that age were already, you know, so aware and so intelligent and so exposed, even though we may say negatively, but I think I was astounded. I think I took them for granted in how how much they grow these days and how much people really know, you know. So I found that to be very poignant. But more things that happen in the session, for instance, is when the teenagers share an experience, when you see that their eyes light up because they just had something that they feel that's going to help them, and when you see that they're being a bit stubborn because they're just teenagers and they're just being a bit stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> so all those things add up to make the experiences, you know, 
individually and collectively memorable. Okay. And have you noticed any um, common denominator or underlying trait that has helped students you've coached in the past achieve higher levels of success compared to other, other peers that have similar talents and abilities? I would be out of business if I hadn't noticed anything. You know, but I mean, because we, number one, we do what I call post-session development meeting. So you track the progress, you know, you track the progress all through secondary schools. You take on a mentoring coaching role. So you're always in contact. I'm always in contact with everybody that I, that had attended the session since I started this, you know, every now and again, you know, and we're putting together an accumulated birthday list where everybody get a message on their birthday. So we try to stay in touch so that they know they have an avenue to continue to speak to us for continuing development. Mm. But minus that, you get, for instance, in the companies that you will coach, reports on how the staff are doing based on your training, before, after reports, individual, you know, portfolio reports, individual scrutiny reports, you know, and that sort of things, you know, PMP assessments and all that. So you would know, you would know in cases. And in all cases, there's always progress. Now, the continuity and the lasting nature of that progress for me, it's dependent on if there's a continuing post-session development. That is why we always encourage companies and people that we, you know, train or deliver our sessions to, not to just, you know, close up after the first session, to try and follow up so that the skills actually crystallize mm. in the mind of the participant. Mm. Great, great, great. All right, so we've talked a lot about your business. Let's transition to you personally as we start to wind down the interview. So, my business is me, but okay. <laughs> no, the personal side. Okay, I get what you're saying, yeah. All right. So, um, I think you've already alluded to this before, but um, let's just get a little bit more out of it. And what 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 wakes you up in the morning? What makes you excited about owning your own business and doing what you do? The possibility of living the life I've always wanted to live, which is influencing people, making people's lives better, being busy. The work of making people's lives better. I think the very idea that that possibility still continues to be very, very real, continues to progress, continues to be realized in small bits and larger bits as the day goes on, makes me wake up every morning to realize just a bit more that day, just a bit more. Mm. And which, which entrepreneur do you admire and why do you admire that person so much? If you have more than one, fine. Well, I need to think about that because there are quite a lot of people that I admire in different aspects for the different facets. I may not admire your approach to leadership, but I may admire your approach to advertising. You know what I mean? I may yeah. not admire your approach, approach to advertising, but I may admire your approach, approach to leadership. So... For me, it's not about an entrepreneur that I admire. It's about a person that I admire. There are very many people that generally inspire me. Okay, so let's take one or two people that inspire you and that you hope to well, achieve the same level of success or more. Well, I don't know about success. I don't necessarily judge it exactly. That's relative. But the person who inspires me the most as I speak now is Barack Obama. And I would say that it's not in terms of his policies because I don't even know if I agree with his policy. But it is his ability to go into every place and move that crowd. It is his ability to be diplomatic enough to understand that the marshal that is 
down at your helicopter or your Air Force One deserves a handshake when you come down from the plane. It's the ability to know that it is politically correct and emotionally intelligent to sing the Amazing Grace at the funeral service you attended for the people who were shot by that lunatic in some state in America. You know, he's a very, he's a very personally developed guy. Mm. And when you look at him, you can see that he has, he's, a, he's developed, he knows. Sometimes you don't, don't know what he's thinking. Sometimes all that is just for the camera, but he knows what to do. And that is what endears him to me. I listen to him sometimes substance of what he's saying but just to hear how he says what he's saying okay i don't know if you get what i'm saying yeah you know, how he says uh. what he's saying not necessarily because of the substance so that that's some dude that really 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 does you know uh. really does uh get me i won't say get me up in the morning but he does get me <laughs> when i listen to him okay. yeah. and, and, and is there anyone like that in nigeria that you admire similarly that you're looking up to as kind of a mentor most certainly there are very there are very many people that admire funny enough there's a lady that I admire in Nigeria I think she's absolutely fantastic I think she's one of the best speakers I've ever heard I like her passion I like the substance of her message I like her delivery I think she's fantastic and her name is Mrs. Wudo Okonjo okay. CEO of Fine and Country she is fantastic and she inspires. And yes, I'm inspired by her. So if you're talking about this, this person that I'm inspired by, which was the next point I was coming to, and right here at home, there you have it. Cool, cool. All right. And, um, Check her out, guys. We do Okonjo. She's fantastic. Check yeah. her out. Listen to her. She's fantastic. Yeah, I've written her name down. And I think she had an event yesterday at... Um, the dome. This, this present, this present yeah, house church. Oh, wow. <laughs> I missed that. So, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, let's talk about you. Can you talk about a significant personal failure you've experienced in your life and how you've recovered from it? Well, I wouldn't call, number one, I'm one of those people, this is what I teach in my session, that failure is a stepping stone to success. Failure is a stepping stone to success. And there's a saying that goes, fail your way to success. The only sure way to success is fail, because how would you know the wrong way if you don't try it the wrong way? Mm. Okay? So I don't necessarily look at these things as failures in that sense. I look at it like hitches, and I try to always look at the positive in the situation. But the sort of significant things that happen is that you may organize a training session and find out that very few people book for it, so you have to cancel it. Mm. that always you could look at that as a failure but then there's publicity that you gain from that there's some visibility that you gain from that even though the very fact that people don't book is indicative of the fact that you require even more visibility yeah you know or you need to carry out research as to what people really want what really turns people on so to speak so those are the sort of things those are the sort of things you know what i mean those are the sort of things mm. okay and if you were to start all over again, is there anything you would do differently in your business? No, because I feel like every day is a learning curve. So even if I say I do it differently, it's only because I've learned now. And if I hadn't learned, I would do it differently. So you would have to tell me, are you saying based on the knowledge I have and the experiences that I do differently or still based Yes, on based on the knowledge and experience you currently have oh, yeah, now. Yeah, there may some, yeah mm. naturally, there are some areas you're not bother focusing on because now you know that those are noble, non-lucrative areas. There are some areas you would start focusing on from the 
in it because you've seen that those are the more lucrative areas. So you will not invest in because you see that they didn't really add the value you thought they'd add. You know, and then there's some people you invest in more because they've added more value than you thought they would. So naturally, with the benefit of hindsight and retrospectively, you do a lot of things differently. But do I think that I've made any major mistakes that I could have avoided? No, because I think every supposed mistake is a natural mistake that enabled me learn. Okay. Okay. And what are some of the books, tapes, programs, and messages that you've read or come in contact with in the past that have really been instrumental in your own personal development? I mean, let's start by the fact that I'm doing a doctorate degree, so I read literally roughly 400 pages of journals every week. And you learn a lot of business concepts. This is one minus the self-help books, the loads of self-help books that I've gone through. So generally, I'm forever developing myself. I, 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 I'm, a what, I'm, I'm, what, I'm what they call a reflector in action. Forever reflecting in the present moment, forever trying to challenge my assumptions, forever trying to unlearn and relearn. You know, So day-to-day lives, books help. For instance, I would say that Standout, a book that says assess your strengths, find your edge, win at work, it's by Marcus Buckingham. The New York Times best-selling author. It's been a fantastic book. I found that particularly helpful. It's called Stand Standout 2.0. Assess your strengths, find your edge, win at work. It's by Marcus Buckingham. That's a good read. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then just in daily, you know, business reads when you read journals about crisis management, change, leadership, ethics, professionalism. All these things naturally increase your business acumen. And when you practicalize them, they give you a more rounded organization, so to speak. Hmm. All right. And the final question of the interview has really been a blast. And I know we have to wrap up because of time. But uh, um, the final question would be, what's your advice to recent graduates that are thinking of starting or launching a venture kind of similar to what you did when you did your when you started your company or somebody looking to come back somebody abroad looking to come back to Nigeria given um, the exciting prospects of the future very very straightforward and simple contact me and we will go through the principles of starting and sustaining a business in Nigeria and you would be able to successfully start and sustain or either sustain alone if you've already started your business venture in Nigeria. Simple. I will not give out any tips for free. <laughs> Ever the consummate businessman. <laughs> but let me say that I have the principles I have developed, especially eight business principles, and I'm writing a book on that in all right, fire out those eight principles real quickly. Starting and sustaining a business in Nigeria. I'll be, not, I'll be nice enough. I'll be nice enough to fire out the principles without saying one word. Okay. Principle, but I'll be nice enough. People pay me quite a lot of money to hear this principle because they are my principles mm-hmm. developed by my own experience. So principle I'm... one is assess your capital. Principle two is a feasible business plan. Principle three is understand the regulatory framework. Principle four is develop a business philosophy. Principle five is your brand speaks volumes. 
Principle six is marketing is key. Principle seven is surpass consumer expectation. And principle eight is business success is a process. Principles uh -huh. of sustaining and sustaining a business in Nigeria. And what makes it peculiar is that we now go into the Nigerian context as it relates to each of those principles. Mm. That is the one that I will not get into. But those are the overall principles. Yeah. Starting a business in Nigeria. And if somebody wants to get your book when it's published, uh, is there any way they can reach out to you? Any yeah, avenues I mean, they can contact website. you? I mean, okay. I have a website, MrEmedith.com. That's M-R-E-M-E-D-I-T-H. M-R-E-M-E-D-I-T-H. No space, everything together, dot com. And everything, all information about me, everything you ever want to get, everything you ever want to know, is available via that platform. So MrEmedith.com. You can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, Mr. Emedis. That's that. You can also follow me on Skype as well, Mr. Remedies. I don't know whether you follow people on Skype or you can add me. <laughs> you can add you on yeah. Skype. Yeah. Well, obviously, if they're contacting you, they better make it quick because obviously you're a busy man, lots of things to do. I mean, I charge for my time. I mean, I think I did. So it's not a question of better make it quick. They can make it as long as they want. It just increases their mind. They'll pay. And I certainly know my value, so I charge for my time. And let yeah. me say that to all young entrepreneurs out there. Always know your respect value. and appreciate your value. Do not let anybody cheat you. Mm. And your value. Never compromise yourself. Yeah. And with that, I think I can call it a day. Yes, sir. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure having Mr. Emedit himself, Emeka Zinge, on the podcast. Really, really gotten lots of wisdom nuggets out of this conversation and. I'm sure a lot of you listening have gotten so much more out of it, and you can reach him on all his channels, Mr. Emmett. And I would also say that, Emeka, that you should also consider either doing a podcast too, either something daily or weekly, something just to get your thoughts out there. So why don't we? Why, you see, the truth about it is I am so pressed for time, and, I, and I'm looking for collaborations anyway. I'm not a greedy person who wants to do everything alone. So you already have a podcast, too, so why don't you... Why don't we affiliate? Why don't we do okay. so that you can do it through, yes, through your podcast, Mr. Emedit, whatever we can Yes, do. okay. So we, we can actually get some of your recording. All you do is just send me an audio file, launch it out I there. Can, yeah, and then you can put it on Mr. Emedit. So it's a, it's a semi, I mean, we talk a lot. We need to sit down and talk about it. That's a separate thing. All right. Talk, <laughs> our listeners don't listen to this. They don't need to know our business. Sorry, listeners. Edit this part. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for coming, Emeka. We really appreciate it. And, of course, stay bulletproof, guys. Till next time. Bye for now. Take care, Dogu. guys. Have a great one. Take yeah. care. Keep your vision up. Keep your focus strong. And never give in. Don't let another minute go by without taking action to change your life. Visit Ordeshi.com right now for more incredible resources. And we'll see you next time on Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur.